episode four. Welcome back. My name's Dave. This is again episode four, and you are listening to Spiraling Sense of Freedom. Sorry about the delay in recording this episode. I say that every bloody week. It's supposed to be weekly, and nine times out of ten, something comes up and it never actually happens. But I do like to apologise for it either way. So yeah, we are on episode four. Um, if you are listening again, I, I do appreciate you coming back and listening in. Uh, and I've got a few things I really do need to and I want to uh, to cover on this episode because it's been a very dramatic uh, last two weeks to say the least. Not just in generally my life, but in generally what's going on in the world in general. So a few things I do want to cover. Uh, first of all, oh, I think my fan in my apartment has been turned on constantly for near enough four weeks now. I don't think I've turned it off. Even when I leave my property, I still leave it on. I leave one in the hallway. <laughs> That's turned on. And then there's one in the front room as well to keep air circulating. It's been an absolute scorcher. And the nights are just hot and sticky. And even now as I'm recording this, I'm uh, sweating like crazy. It's just so goddamn warm. But it's good to have a bit, good bit of weather, I must admit. And uh, hopefully we have a real good summer coming forward. But yeah, it's been it's been a, been a good couple of weeks to say the least. A lot's gone on. I've done a hell of a lot. And a lot's been going on in the world. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, though, and my sister actually pulled me onto this, um, but I did read about it. Um, but I like to stick my head in the sand, so I'll read something completely forget, and next you know, three or four weeks or three or four months have gone down the line. But Stranger Things on Netflix. Wow. I mean, where do I start? My sister mentioned it. it was over a meal in uh, Beverly, where I live. I live we went for a meal just outside of Hull in Beverly and uh, my sister she went have you, have you watched the Stranger Things on Netflix it's, it's coming up to season 4 and I was like what there's been 3 seasons already she's like yeah 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 so I went well I'll give it a go I've heard a lot about it but I'll give it a try she went oh I, I think it's down your street I think it's definitely something you'll enjoy so I was like oh go on I'll give it a go anyway cut long story short about a week later I remembered this one conversation so I actually turned it on I turned it on at about half 4 in the afternoon I'd just got in and I didn't stop watching it till about half four in the morning. So I'd watched it for a full 12 hours. I managed to get through season one, two, and near enough three. Halfway through three, I got to. And then I managed to get back on it and, and watch it up to three. I was absolutely gutted on one main thing. Why they had to kill Hopper. Out of all the people and characters they had to kill off, why him? I thought from season one all the way through to season three... He was pinnacle in the storylines. He was always in and around it. And his character was really, really good to watch. And then they killed him off in season three and I was absolutely gutted. So I pursued further on and I managed to start watching season four. And then I got confused, really confused. Hopper was back in it again. And I started to lose interest. Uh, I ended up turning it off after episode two. So I, I, still, I will go back to it to try and get my head around it. I didn't understand why he's come back because apparently the Russians have got him and all that stuff. But if they're going to kill him off, kill him off. Don't bring him back because all it's going to do is get me all giddy and excited and I'll probably lose my way, in which I did. I lost my way completely in the whole storyline in season four. I'm like, what is going on? Why is he back? I thought he died in the fire, in the explosion. What, what's going on? But he is a fantastic, fantastic character and he's actually married to uh, Lily Allen in real life. Got married in 2020, believe it or not. There's a fact for you. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed Stranger Things, it's uh, it killed a fair few hours, more than a fair few hours. I didn't realise it was like 50 minutes each episode. And next thing you know, you just time just flies by. And I've just sat, lied there on my corner couch, 
with a nice uh, JD and Coke, and next thing you know, I've gone through three seasons, and I was absolutely hooked after that. I'm just hoping that when I go back to season four, I get a bit more interested in it, because it kind of it lost me in the first episode, not just because of Hopper's scenario, it was more the storyline didn't feel like, but then I think back to season one, when I first started on season one, it took nearly three, two or three episodes to finally get my head around what the storyline was, and what's going to happen, and and this didn't even it kind of clicked into place, but when I put season four on, I thought well, I don't want to go through this, the same rigmarole of going through season one again, and waiting so many episodes to get into it. And the storyline just didn't at the first click for me, but I will persevere and I will watch it. So I had to mention that on the episode because by God, it's quality. And Billy, Millie, Billy, Millie, Bobby Brown, translating that quick. She's a fantastic actress and. I can understand why Netflix renewed it year after year because uh, it is a really good watch. So if anyone's not watched it, give it a try. You might actually enjoy it just like myself. I didn't realise I'd enjoy it as much as I did. But it's definitely worth a shot. Going on to the next thing, um, James Corden's back in England. And I'm, for one, very happy that he is because he was born and bred in England. Of course, he moved to America. Did the Late Late Show in America. Man, fantastic hit. Legendary gentleman, and he is known for things like Gavin Stacey, Carpool Karaoke, which I thoroughly, thoroughly love. If anyone's not seen the Carpool Karaoke, they need to watch them. Every single one, I mean, I can name a few. I mean, the Celine Dion one in uh, Las Vegas. Wow. <laughs> I can only imagine how much effort it took to organise that. Not just to get Celine Dion in a boat, but to get it in front of that hotel and then have the, the, the music playing from the Titanic film and everything about it was really well organised and you can tell that's the reason why they went out on that season with a bang and it finished off with the Celine Dion one. Um, fantastic. And I think Apple bought the rights to it in the end, but I know he's still doing them now and then, so it's good to really see. And I do enjoy watching him on screen because I think he's got that public character where he's interviewing. He asks the relevant questions that us, the public, want to hear. And he always seems to get away with it. And then it is that food thing as well. You know, the, the horrible foods on the table. There's a name for it, but it has actually gone out of my head. That's fantastic to watch, especially when you get certain celebrities having to take some of these uh, concoctions that they've uh, mixed up. And the questions that they ask are fantastic to that relevant little part of it. And I, I really do, really do enjoy it. Carpa karaoke. Even the Tom Cruise one. Anyone, anyone ever seen the Tom Cruise one? where Tom Cruise actually comes and flies James Corden in not just one plane, the first one is a plane, then he goes to a jet, and he's spinning around giving God knows what G-forces to James Corden, you can see him in the back, his stomach's tearing inside out, and he's he's not enjoying it, but he's putting a good face on for the cameras, and again, you have to flick over and just and have, have, a, have a look at the Carpool Karaoke, and just James Corden in general, because they do the... The Late Late Show in America, I think it's called The Late Night Show in England, London, I think. They did change the name ever so slightly. Uh, and he's done a couple of episodes and still got a few more to do. But I know he's only got a year left of his contract on The Late Late Show in America. And then I presume, I hazard a guess, he's bringing his family and himself, of course, back to London where it all started for himself. And then he'll probably end up doing The Late Late Show in, or The Late Night Show, maybe, in, in London. I would hazard a guess. And the, the world is oyster. The guy's a legend. And uh, it can sing, which is even better. So it's good to actually listen to. So I would definitely uh, look at that. Another thing I do want to mention, and I'm going to mention, I've got a feeling, I say I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling, that this uh, this pandemic is slowly drifting away. And as each month goes by, we're hearing less of it and reading less of it. And it kind of 
brings the normality back to everyone's life that we so so missed for them couple of years that it was actually really really rife in not just England but everywhere in the world um I think the only time I really actually felt oh it's still around is when I went to well cut long star shot I've been doing nights for 15 years and a workplace I mean not just the workplace that I've been at I mean most workplaces that I've changed to I end up taking the nights because I'm very much a night owl but after 50 well 10 years I think it's been about 10 or 12 years something like that it started to really chip away at me and if anyone out there listening does do nights they are a killer and you don't realize over time your sleep pattern stuff so that goes out the window and it kind of affects you you mentally it really does and your personality changes and goes inside with it it's a, it's a small chip away at you. And it was happening with me. I mean, I was doing nights four on, four off. So I was doing four on. And absolutely... I was going to explain this. Every time I did, I was on shift, I'll be the last one standing. I'll be the most bubbly in the workplace. And I, it's like I could feel... Say it was like four o'clock in the morning. I feel like I don't know for 12 hours because my body clock was so used to working nights. And the people that around me were like scarecrows at four o'clock in the morning by this point. Struggling to speak, struggling to work, and struggling to coordinate themselves in a professional manner after time. And it's really weird how my body clock got so used to it, but then it really affected me on my four days off because I was coming in on my last night that I'd done, so I'd come in, in the morning and I was still in the same sleep pattern. So I'd go to have a shower, go to bed, and I'd get up at like two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, and I'd be up all night again, and I'd be a, a night owl. So I'd basically I'd be a night owl for the full week by this point and then next thing you know you're back on your, you know, your next set of four of nights so basically after doing this for so long I decided right enough is enough and I've just changed jobs completely um, and this comes on to my next conversation on my next thing that I'm going to mention I, uh, I contacted the HR of my old company I said look nights are really affecting me um, they have been done for a few years but I've just kept persevering but it's getting to the point where I need to change it. I need to, can you put me on days? I need to go on days. And I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, of course. So in front of your face, they're like, of course. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Blah, blah, blah. We'll help you as much as we can and we'll get it all sorted. Two weeks goes down the line, nothing. So I go back and I say, look, it's been been a couple of weeks now. I'm still doing these nights. Has anything come of it yet? Oh, no, we'll get back to you tomorrow. We'll give you a ring tomorrow. You finished this last night shift and we'll give you a ring tomorrow. Oh, they did. I finished my last night shift there and then they rang me at half nine in the morning. So they woke me up from a slumber, which I was a bit peed off about at the time. But when I realised what the call was about, I was like, I let them off. And it was the woman from HR. She's like, oh, we've uh, we've looked into the um, into the days that you've requested, but unfortunately we, we just can't do it. We're fully manned up on days. It's, it's, one of the, it's a bit of a sticky situation for us. And I'm like, I kind of understand because I know it's easier for everyone to work days. Not many people like nights. So when someone wants to come from nights to days, it's a lot harder if it was the other way around, for example. So I was like, well, okay, leave it with me. Anyway, I mulled over for like two days and ended up ringing it back. And I said, look, well, I'm going to have to have me noticing because I just can't do it anymore. Because if I keep doing it and doing it, it's going to get to the point where it's really going to really stump me. And I'm going to really overly struggle. And what for? I'd rather take my health and my own mental well-being over any job in this world. And if clearly you've, you've had weeks, nearly a month to try and sort this out and you've not been able to do anything. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to have a notice in, which I did. Now, going back to the pandemic thing, when I was saying that I've never heard much from the pandemic as much as what we used to. I applied for a, a position uh, working for a biogas uh, plant to run the plant 
because my experience, if no one knows, I run uh, machinery, so plant. I can also drive plants. So I can drive like the big front end loaders, telehandlers, forklifts, any machinery I've got tickets for or experience on. But also I've got round about six years of actually running plants themselves, the actual physical plant that you'll be working on. I can literally run it. So I got, I scrolling through jobs online and I stumbled across this one job and I thought, Sounds interesting, it's not far from me, about 20 miles away from me. I thought, I'll give it a go, see what he says. Anyway, this guy ran me up two days later called Simon. I'll never forget the conversation because it, it kind of gave me such confidence boast. As soon as I answered the phone, you can hear it in his tone. It was a bubbly, very good character. You can hear it over the, over the phone call. He was uh, he pretty much started that day, yeah, that's me. He said, oh, I've seen your CV and everything speaks volumes. When can we get you in? I was like, well, wait there, you don't know much about me, do you? And like, I've read it all, just come in. I'll have a word. So I was like, brilliant. So anyway, I went down the following day. I had a movie interview there. And as I walked through it, I packed, because I'm a new bike now, so I packed it up. And I went to reception to sign him. And there was a driver already in there. And as I was about to walk in, this almighty screech of this woman behind the counter. I, I didn't see her at this point. I just heard her step behind the line. Um, COVID restrictions were in here. And I'm thinking, what? Jeez. Back again, are we? I didn't realise it just come back in. Shot me and the driver started laughing and I was like I smirked and looked away and I thought geez that's really stumped me that is it really that bad yet but she's just one of those characters the receptionists that are really the you know, straight and narrow ones that wants to stick with the, her guns I suppose and she did apologise afterwards and say she's trying to keep it down a bit but she still stuck with her guns along the way and said look we only have one person in the office at one time I was like yeah that's fine anyway I couldn't start shot at me interview with Simon met the guy big beefy guy looked like some kind of guy that drives uh, rides a big Harley Bit of a facial hair on him, tall and bulky. You won't want to run at him in a dark alley because I tell you what, you won't come out there not injured. That's for a fact. One of those guys, but sound as a pound. And he, he said, "Look, I've nice to meet you, Dave. I've I've read your CV through and through, and everything you say on your CV is what we're looking for in a, in a person in a, and someone to work here. What is it you want to really, really do?" So I said, "To be honest with you, si, I've done driving machines for the last four years. I've got about six years experience in driving. I want to go back to." running plant itself can we have a look at that aspect but if we can't get me in straight away which is one of those things that's fine i will start where you need me to start and i'll work my way up as long as i ladder there so as i said that is like yep that's fine but we want to hear and he, he, he took me around the place and to be honest with you i was shocked this place has been here been there sorry for 20 years big gas refinery so they take all the food waste in and the the add water and slurry it up and basically let it ferment, let the environment do what it does best and it ferments and when it ferments it produces gas. They then siphon that gas off, refine it, clean it and then sell it back to the grid. So simple. The setup they've got there is very, very, I want to say complex. It looks complex when you first walked in but as time went by and I was there for two hours, two and a half hours, I started getting used to it a bit more and I went to the control room, CCR and had a word with the guys running it and they ran me through on the screens and that and I thought I could do this. And uh, yeah, I was really impressed, really impressed. And it's uh, 20 miles away from here and 20 miles back. So I'm doing 40 mile daily journeys. And I've, a couple of years ago, I used to do that all the time. So it's no biggie for me. And I don't mind working out on the countryside either. It's quite good to get away from the city, believe it or not. So I was about, about to walk out. And I said, we'll have a little talk at meeting room. This is Simon did. And I sat me down. He said, right, I know much about you regarding your CV. Is there anything that you can really add to it to substantiate you taking this position because I know you've got an interest in both 
running the plant and also driving the machines that we've got on here. Um, but we just want, some, just want to hear your side of the story. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll start off then. Um, did nights for a number of years. Started really getting to me. Uh, did trip away, uh, like I've just mentioned, not long gone here on this episode. Uh, and I'm looking for something for days. And you guys got far and far off. And I've been in the recycling trade now for nearly four years. So I kind of know what it's about. And it's one of those trades that I want to be in because recycling, green energy is massive and it always will be. The government will plough millions and millions into it and other companies will plough money into it because it's green and it saves the environment. And so it's a never-ending flow of dollars and pounds. And of course, I've always wanted to be in that and that's why I've stuck with it for so many years. So yes, I'm very much interested in running your plant, also improving it in certain aspects. But more importantly, I want to start off wherever you want me to put me and I'll just work my way up. As soon as he said that, I said, well, happy to take you on board. Anyway, cut a long story short, he uh, had a bit of chit-chat. He's a league supporter, a union supporter, and I'm a league supporter in rugby, so we had a bit of banter about that. <laughs> and then, uh, then yeah, I said, um, when do you want to start? So I said, well, I, gave him, I gave him a start date there, and then I said, well, I can only start on this date. And he said, no, no problem, sort it out. And uh, next thing you know, went out of the office, came back in with this other manager. And he said, no, we're happy to sign on the dotted line now. So you start on the 15th, so I was like, spot on. So I got me a job there on days, far on, far off, uh, and I'm really happy about it, to be honest with you. you know, it's just seeing that woman and hearing her cry through that window about the pandemic, saying, get behind the line, and it just shook me a bit. I thought, well, we, I thought we got off of this pandemic thing, but clearly we haven't. But yeah, so that's a bit of this scenario regarding the change of job, and for good reason um, that I've had to change as well. Um, another thing I do want to mention, though, and I don't think it's going to happen now, Tommy Fury and Jake Paul fight. Now, I'm not a fan of any of the fighters, by any way, shape or form. Especially Jake Paul, because I think he's a bigger little shit and he needs knocking out. If anyone follows boxing, you probably understand why I'm saying this. The guy's cocky, but he's got reasons to be cocky. But has he? Because the fighters that he has been fighting have been uh, washed up UFCs or a boxer that's got pff, one win in like 30 or something. He's literally no credibility in all the fighters that he's had, but he's won every one of them. So... Anyway, he called out Tommy Fury, and Tommy Fury has called back and said, look, yeah, I'll take the fight. And anyway, a bit of a minute now in between them both, and they finally got a date for the 6th of August, uh, fighting in America, I think, somewhere. And now it's been th- there's a spanner being thrown in the works, so now Tommy Fury has gone across to America to um, to go and start the, uh, what do you call it, when you have that thing when you go and stand up and show, oh, what do you call it, there's a name for it. Anyway, he had to go to America to, you know, to start the process. And he got declined. Um, the, the Americans would not allow him to fly for, for, for whatever reason. But then Tommy Fury went really quiet on it. Now, he was supposed to go across three days ago, four days ago. Um, I've hardly heard anything from it. So we don't even know if the fight's going on now. And I swear to you now, I was wanting to put so much money on Tommy Fury knocking Jake Paul out. Because it would make my day. And it would open a big can of worms into Jake Paul's personality. What he's going to do next, and it will show that you can't just be any Tom Dick and Harry and come off the street and go box some of the big dogs. And don't get me wrong, Tommy Fury is not a big dog in any way, shape, or form. But if Jake Paul were to beat Tommy Fury, all it'll do is open a big metal gates of any Tom Dick and Harry who's got a bit of muscle and a six pack to go boxing and try and fight the big dogs. I don't want it to be like that. I think my personal opinion is if you're going to be a boxer, do it the hard way, work your way up the ladder. Put a show on, do what you do best, but just don't do it like Jake Paul's done because he's just been throwing too much money on it. And uh, 
was kind of hoping that the fight does go on. So we don't know yet. There might be, I don't know, Jake Paul might find someone else real quick to take his place. But again, I'm not going to be watching that. And hopefully Tommy Fury pulls it out of the bag and man manages to get across to America in the end. So I'm really hoping that one way or another that this fight does go ahead. Fingers crossed. So this week um, I've been to the Hull FC Leeds game. Rugby league shower ship. We absolutely got decimated. I have never been so embarrassed to walk out the MKM Stadium, which is our local stadium here. Knowing that, number one, we've just been hammered by our rivals, and not just hammered, we got absolutely decimated from, from as soon as we kicked the ball, as soon as that whistle went and we started playing, the gaps that appeared in the back line of FC, you could fit buses through, and Leeds are a quick, nimble team. Burnham the only fourth from bottom in the Super League, but they're still quick, and they're every time... They ran forward. They were just running through gaps that were just creating the backlash from FC. And the dismay and the, the, the drone of the crowd as we were just getting battered left, right and centre. And the tries that we scored against them were two mistakes by Leeds. They made mistakes. We capitalised and scored two tries from them. Whoopie fucking do. If we play like this in Magic Weekend, because I'm going to Magic Weekend on Sunday coming. Hence why I'm recording this now and not Sunday. <laughs> And we play Hulky and we play like we've done against Leeds. We are going to be absolutely embarrassed. I'm going to be play off the park. And I kind of hope it doesn't go that route. But looking at the way they played against Leeds, there's no, there no urgency. There's no quick paces. Every time FC were going in for tackles, or there was running with the ball even, they were going down and were sluggish to get back up. There's no urgency to pass the ball out to the wings where our pace is. And it just... It was shocking to watch and we ended up leaving the game and we were left at like 55 minutes in because we were just so embarrassed with the performance on show. And probably the other 10,000 people that were sat behind us were very much the same thing as what we were. And yeah, it was it was a really bad team effort. It really was. I'm hoping that they turn up and do better on Sunday against their OKR because if anyone knows Rugby League, OKR... We love playing them. They love playing us. East versus West, and because I was, I was where I am, where I'm living in Hull. It's, it's we're divided regarding the team. So you've got Ulkia on one side of Hull, and you've got Hull FC on the other side. So when they do meet, it's always a good spectacle. Spectacle, spectacle. That's the word. So I'm hoping that that will push the team forward as an FC to pull their finger out and actually put in a performance that is worthy of everyone paying all this money to go to Newcastle and watch them. Because if they turn up like they did against Leeds, they're going to get run off the park and it's not going to go down well for FC. It really isn't. But fingers crossed that they do pull some out of the bag on that one. And after that, we well, before that, we actually, uh, me and a few of my mates went to go to the Jennings Betwell Seniors Darts um, in Town Centre in Hull. Now, I'm not a massive fan of darts. I'm not a huge, huge fan. But I like to go there for the in, the atmosphere, the beer, and the entertainment that's on show. And I was absolutely shocked at how good it really, really was. The atmosphere was fantastic. There must have been, what, 800 people, 700, 800 people in there. But the atmosphere was absolutely unreal. And I'm getting to see the big 16th town world champion, Phil Taylor, play doing what he does best even though he's retired but doing what he does best and he gave it his good, a good go he played really well to a certain extent he made a few slip up but you've got to expect it he is getting on a bit now but the whole day there on Sunday it was really good so I really really thoroughly enjoyed that and yeah we did the darts for a bit and had a few drinks and then we ended up coming home after that which is uh, 
a good thing to do when you've had a few drinks because you can uh, overly drink and uh, get merry and don't know where you are. So I've had stories of that as well. Um, I do want to mention another thing. Now, this, I've waited to get to halfway through my episode to mention this because this has shocked me, but I'm going to tell you all, which you probably might already know, of what's actually gone on. And it just... Words can't describe when I actually realised that actually has gone ahead and it's changed. It just kind of makes you worry about how quick it was to change and what else they could really do. And it's not just their government. It's what it is. Right, the House of Parliament in uh, 1967, David Steele is a is a member of Parliament, and he brought an appeal which uh, legalises legalises sorry abortion in the UK. Now, if this was to ever change, ever change in the UK, 326 elected officials have to agree to such thing. It would then take under the 400 appointees in the House of Lords to vote that appeal before it could ever become law. So nearly 800 people that would have to agree to anything regarding any law change in England, which is a kind of saving grace for, for the UK to a certain extent. Now, kind of bounces both ways so the smallest things that we do need changing it takes so long to change because of this but also the things that we have already changed and need to stay changed and never come back on it it also goes for the same rigmarole of going for parliament like this so it kind of works both angles now in america i feel utter disgust and anger that the supreme court of six political supreme judges that made they made the decision and the right to go against um, to go with abortion across the, in America. So pretty much six people in the political supreme courts in America have decided amongst, them, amongst themselves that you cannot have an abortion in America. Not where, anywhere, shape or form. Which shocked me when I read this. I couldn't believe it. In my eyes, a woman's rights, they have their own rights to choose what they want to do to their own body. And it's been wiped out in moments by these six uh, political supreme judges that decided amongst themselves to change the whole law that they had in America and to change it overnight. Now, in the land of American dream, they call it the land of freedom. It's a country that prides itself in the protection and the individuals of liberty. We move instantly back to the dark age where a court has imposed the majority political view on a country for decades to come. And it really shocked me to the core when this actually went ahead and they changed it because it's hard to put it into words really without getting so confused but it opens a big can of worms so say a woman gets raped and she does fall pregnant to such a vile crime then what happens then does the woman have to have the baby have to have those memories for the rest of her life knowing that the ordeal she's gone through and then America are going to support that? I don't know. The law was introduced in America to protect women in every way, shape and form. And for six people, I'm going to call them people because they shouldn't be really called political supreme judges because there's no, nothing of the sort. Six people have decided to rip the hearts and the souls away from every individual female that will walk those streets in America. And... I really do hope it doesn't happen to any of the countries because I know it's never going to happen here. I hope it's never going to happen here. 
and if only America actually paid more attention to what's going on in the world regarding the war scenario in Ukraine, poverty that's going on, the economy that's crashing around everyone's knees as we all think and speak, the important things, but to do what they've done and do it in such a short period of time, in my eyes, was just a disastrous, disastrous wrong move. And I just know for a fact that's going to come back and it's going to bite them because it's, it's bound to. It is bound to bite them. And for a country that pride itself in such a, such a way to then change such a lot and so quick, I tell you, it's embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment. And it will, it, that decision alone, it endangers millions and millions of uh, families and millions of um, females. And it really does. And in my eyes, does that give that the green light to say it's okay? Because it clearly isn't. So, yeah, that's the America scenario. And it's something that really took me back a step. Uh, madness. Really is madness. Now, the other thing I do want to mention, uh, and I've only just stumbled across this. Now, I was flicking through something to watch. And I stumbled on um, Amazon Prime. Now, I don't normally use it. I only use it for the deliveries. I don't actually watch anything on the the video service that they provide with it but I ended up stumbling across the Oscar uh, Pistorius um, case and I've got like five episodes on it so I thought right I'll give it a go wow jeez I mean I'm, everyone knows what's going on there but this actually went into so much detail I mean to the point where I had to look away from my screen it was that bad of detail that I went into if no one knows the story um, Oscar Pistorius is um He's an athlete, but I've got to say no legs. He's not. He, he lost the the his feet at a very young age. Uh, he runs with like prosthetic like um, running like legs that have been made for him. A very very good athlete in himself, and did absolutely fantastic um, when he did finally. He was the only person who actually made it okay for someone like himself to run amongst normal athletes with no actual handicaps at all, uh, and he made it okay after five years of fighting for himself to actually run in the hundreds and the 400 meters which he won the 400 meters and um well the team and and came second i think in the 200 meters i think and i think he came second in the 100 i can't remember it's a long time ago but if not if you're not too sure of the story what it was he's been plagued with mental and physical issues a lot of his life he was born in Britain, africa now everyone knows africa is a very very strong country as in crime is rife uh it's a black majority minority country and crime has always been rife in africa they've never been able to um really put a stamp on it and it shows you how he was brought up now his family life when he first got brought up of course was absolutely phenomenal he had a mum and a dad and uh they were tight-knit he was never outcasted for his disabilities and he wanted to be known um through his life and through his uh, running and his athletic af athletics sorry of uh, not being um disabled in a way shape or form so it's one of the things he had in his head now unfortunately he lost his mum in 2000 no he lost his mum sorry when he was 15 he lost his mum when he was 15 years old and ever since then it's been a very slow downward spiral now growing up with his mum living in africa there was uh, there was a privileged family uh, i think their uncle um, no, go back a step. There, his dad kind of went out of the picture for a long period of time, 
so left his mum and his three kids to pretty much fend for themselves and I think it was the uncle that came forward and helped him with money, paid their rent and financed them for a long period of time and because he was a very privileged gentleman in the position that he was he could do it and he did it now his mum at that point in life with living in Africa was very scared for the well-being of herself and her family so of course guns which is very very well known to everyone have um, she had a gun so every time she was either scared or she heard noise in the the house on the night and that the first thing was she'd, she'd pull this gun out and she'd be, she'd be ready and she used to call the police all the time to come down because she'd heard or thought she'd seen something so of course all three kids have actually seen this especially um, Oscar he'd seen this all the time hand, like, straight in front of him and I think from what the programmes showed in the whole court case this alone has imprinted something in his head and it made him very controlling guy when growing up so you got to remember he was really good at what he did when he, he ran he was fantastic and when he was going through the ranks he was good he was winning races and breaking records he was that good so he had a lot of media attention with media attention comes confusion and instability when you don't know yourself as a person and you've got all these prying eyes on the outside watching every move you do and every move you make and you've got cameras wanting to take pictures and news people trying to get their one article on you it kind of chipped away at Oscar and after a period of time mentally he started breaking down he wasn't on the ball and what happened is he came home to his house one night and it was Valentine's Day and he was with a model called um is it Reva Steen, Reva Steenkamp? Or Reva, Reva, Steen, Reva Steenkamp. She was a, a, an African model. And beautiful, beautiful young girl. And he was with her in a relationship. Of course, they both gone to bed. And he'd woke up in the middle of the night. And what he liked to do was lock the bedroom door. But the bedroom door was left open. But he actually asked uh, Reva just before he'd fell asleep at 9pm on the night... When you fall asleep, make sure you just lock the door and pull the fans in from the window because you have these two fans running in the window to keep the, the room cool. It like likes to be cocooned and locked up, so if anything were to happen, he's got a safe haven, so to, so to speak. But he'd woke up, and I think he'd seen the door was still open in the bedroom. She was still awake, and the fans were still going in the in, in the doorway that left open, going outside to the balcony. So, of course, in pitch black near enough pitch black conditions he moved his fans in got bearing in mind he, he was walking on stumps he didn't have his legs on at all so he's walking on stumps in the front room in the bedroom sorry what had happened behind him was Reaver had gone to the toilet and apparently he didn't see this he just heard something in the hallway in the toilet a little noise and he just saw I don't know what he saw he just thought someone was in the house so he started shouting at the top of his voice, but for some reason Reva didn't um, reply at all. But then it came to the attention of the court, is because she didn't reply because she was actually scared of him because he has his moments where he does not physically hurt her, but he's very spontaneous in what he does in life. And he sent, she sent him WhatsApp messages in the past saying, "Look, I, just, I know you, there's a chance that you might hurt me. I hurt someone, and I don't want it to be me, as in herself." So that's probably why she didn't actually say anything when he was shouting. But then. He made the wrong 
horrible decision of going back into the bedroom and getting the gun and going to the bathroom door that she was behind and shooting the door four times. Four times he shot that door. And the one thing that made me look away from the screen on my TV when I was watching it is a very, very graphical part. Is when he was getting questioned by the attorney before he got sent down, this attorney is ruthless. I can't remember his name, but he's ruthless apparently in what he does and how he does it and betray himself in court. Bear in mind, Reva's mum and dad were in the courtroom at the time, so he should never have done it. He actually pulled a picture up of Reva because one of the bullets had actually gone into her head and come out the back. And of course, you can only imagine what came out the back with it. Exactly. A lot of brains and stuff like that, you know, gall, horrible. And he showed a picture of that to the court and said, look, this is what you did to her. You shot her in the head. And this is the picture that you did. And this is the picture so you can... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. But it's madness. But he, he got sent down. In all in all, he got sent down for 15 years all in all, I think he got in the end. But, um, yeah, it's a very horrible thing to watch. And because it was so long ago, people forget the certain proof that they brought to the court, the evidence that they did. I mean, the Africans, the police service there, just like anything, are very, very not ready for any kind of thing like this to happen. They haven't got the, the police support. The, they haven't got anything at all to be able to cover such a crime scene in a, in a professional way like they would do, for example, in London, England, or anywhere in England. And there was a lot of mistakes and a lot of fuck-ups by the services there, but it wasn't enough to stop Pistorius getting sent down for what he did. At the end of the day, he might have been protecting his property, and that's the thing that he swears blind by, but he still shot and killed Reva and took her life for no fault of her own. Because up there in his head, he just wasn't all there. And the signs were there. His ex, Samantha Taylor, came forward. And her family came forward at the court case and said, look, there was signs when Oscar was with Samantha, my daughter, uh, that something was drastically going wrong. I'm so glad that Samantha managed to get away from it before anything did go wrong. But unfortunately, Reva didn't and she lost her life to it. If you've not seen it, I would suggest actually flicking on Amazon Prime and actually watching it because it does open your eyes massively to the whole court case and everything in between because, like I said before, a lot of it, you just forget. And then when you watch things like that, it brings it all forward and you're like, wow, Jesus, man. So much has been missed and forgotten. But, yeah, I would definitely like to think people should need to watch that and open their eyes to what actually, actually really happened. Oh, I don't know. Another thing I would like to mention though, the cat sleeping on the bed and is really quiet for once. No, that's not the one thing, I'll mention something else. I used to be really addicted, really addicted, and I still kind of am in certain terms, to TikTok. You do anything, what you're doing in your life, and you, you flick on the app and you go on TikTok for a bit, and you just pass a bit of time, and some of the videos are really catchy. Most recently though, it's been weird. Every time I flick through, either someone's selling something, or they're advertising something, or it's women, girls in general, trying to sexualize themselves to try and get, of course, the clicks, the views, the watches, the, the view, or whatever they get on that platform, what to show. And you get very less of the actual original videos that TikTok used to be. 
and I don't know what's going on with it because it's, it's completely changed. I know they're Chinese owned, aren't they? So they've got their own laws and legislations there and what they want to do. And we'll leave that one for another conversation. But it's just the whole app has completely changed. Now, the going to saving grace is the algorithm. So say I like something or say I watch something more or for the full video, the algorithm picks it up and it'll keep pulling videos like that forward for me. But these are still random little videos, still keep pulling through of people trying to sell crap and it's literally a lot of shite like aftershaves have got no brand and perfumes have got no brand it's just literally shit in a bottle and and then people doing laughs i think the, there's some weird ones i've seen i'm trying to think what's that amsr whatever it is where they have a mic and they make noises on it and people fall asleep to it i know it's a big thing but i think i watched one of them for like five minutes and so the algorithm picked it up a bit too a bit too longer and so I ended up banging it on my feed for a period of time till it managed to disappear. But I've I've come across them a few, a few of them, sorry. And another one that I've come across is people with loads of crystals, and they have like little like coloured crystals and sad, and they like start picking these big crystals out so you can win them. I don't know, it's really weird. I had to watch them long enough to understand what's actually going on. And what are the ones I've seen? really weird oh this guy he's got like a a crying clown face <laughs> and he's literally stacking up cards so start with cards at the bottom and go all the way to the top until you get your last two and if you don't send him a, a what do you call them thing a galaxy if you send him a galaxy in time he has to knock them all down and this kid just cries and cries all the time on it, saying, um, don't send galaxies, don't send galaxies. You know damn well he wants it, but it's don't send galaxies. And people are going on there and freaking sending them it. And it must be like £12 a galaxy. So it costs these young kids earning money from it, don't get me wrong. But these people are actually sending these galaxy things, which is like coin-based, you have to buy them on the actual app. And it's just like, oh, dear. It's just Honestly, the app's changed completely. It really, really has. Absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, that's why I'm, I'm really going off TikTok, to be honest with you. I really am. I really am. It's just not the same as what it used to be. I still nip on now and then. Like I don't mind. You got to nip on and have a look now and then. But that's pretty much about it. Yeah. So I wanted to pop on and have a quick, quick natter, a quick talk. Um, not really about my mental thing because I feel ah, it's been a good two weeks for me. To be honest with you, cat's still cat's getting big. Doubled in size now. There's a little personality going on, um, but mental wise for me, it's been it's been a good two weeks. I mean, if it had been a year ago when I changed jobs, say a, a year ago I wouldn't have changed jobs. I'd have still stuck with the nights, but because I'm doing this podcast and because I'm talking so much about my thoughts and my feelings and everything in between, I think it made it a lot easier for me to choose to get rid of the nights and and I think. And I did get that. I was only out work like three days, three or four days, something like that. And then to get that call from that, from Simon, uh, um, his biogas plant, and then for me to get the job straight away kind of gave me so much confidence. Um, and I really enjoyed that part, to be honest with you. But mental-wise, for me, it's been a really good week. I can't really grumble, really. But sometimes it, it takes the smallest of smallest things, though, to really affect me. I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know if everyone goes through that, but I can have some... I'll tell you one thing that did affect me today. Pain in the ass. It's not affected me, it's just pissed me off. So my insurance, when I got my new motorbike, I started, of course you're going to get a brand new insurance for it. So I've cancelled my old insurance off my old bike. 
Richard was a week too late, so they already took the monthly payment out. Completely forgot about it. Changed that. Um, and then, of course, I read my already reading my insurance for my new bike. Now, I paid for the full year in advance, um, which was 400 and something, 460 quid or something, fully come for the year, which is not bad for me. It's, it's, it's a fast, decent bike as well. Highly wanted bike, so to have that kind of insurance is really good. But I put on my insurance and document thing with them i said i've got three years no claims which i have i've had the other bike for three years and i've never claimed anyway shape or form any single year but what i've done is on my old bike i've changed insurance every year to try and get the cheaper quote possible which is what you're supposed to do but what i've done is i've deleted the emails that you get the final emails from your insurance company saying you've got one year's no claims and i've got i've deleted i've deleted them i've checked through my emails and i cannot find them so what it is I've taken out my new insurance from a new insurance firm for my new bike and now I've just got an email for only this morning saying that they're going to add another £260 to it because they can't prove my three years no claims. If I can send proof to them, send it to this email address. And I've searched and I can't find it and I'm not too sure the other thing I could do. The only thing I can do is I might have to just contact the insurance firms that I've been with previously and just see if I can get the information that way. But I don't know if that's the right relevant thing to do or just bite the bullet and pay this extra 200 odd quid. But it means it puts my insurance here for the year because I'll pay the 200 quid straight out, 260 what they said to me. That means that's my insurance, like 700 pounds for the year, and it's that's quite high. That is quite high because then I have got three years no claims. But their argument is to me, I know it will be to me, is it's not for them to prove it or find the right relevant information to prove that I have got three years no claims, it's for me to do it. So that paid me off today. So tomorrow, when I'll be rooting through the insurance documents I've got. God knows what, on the, uh, somewhere in the property, uh, and try and ring each individual one that I've been with for three years, trying to get the information that I need. But hey ho, that's my story, and that one that paid me off a bit. But yeah, um, I tried to get on. Just wait. I have missed it. It's been two weeks. I have missed it. I do enjoy talking. Sometimes a lot of crap, but I do enjoy it. Um, at the end of the day, this is my podcast, and I can talk whatever I want on, on it, and if there's something that pees me off, or something that's just not quite right, whether it's in the world, or with me, or with the ginger thing sleeping next to me, is rather quiet, the cat that is, um, then yeah, I will just mention it. I'll tell you one thing I do want to mention before I get off, though. There's a local coffee coffee shop just down the road from me, and there's a, a girl, I don't know why I'm whispering, no one's in here, but and there's a girl who works in there called Jess, um, young girl, and she's so so lovely like literally she's probably the nicest girl i've ever talked to and god knows how long really polite um down to earth and yeah she um put me in a situation where <laughs> i've got to mention this no she's just a real nice lass <laughs> she's just a lovely lass and what it was i was talking to her about charities and it came on, I, I said to her, I want, I want to plough some money into some charities. Uh, and I found a charity in the end, and it wasn't a charity that I went with in the end. I went with, a, I don't know if anyone follows my Insta, Instagram, sorry. But uh, there's a local dance group in Hull called BB Dance Magic. Now, they're run by a, an old friend that I used to know uh, years ago. And I kept an eye on it when she did open it up. And she gets all like the young kids off the streets, to a certain extent. Uh, and pulls them in and teaching them dance routines and, and trains them up and then they'll do big competitions like two to three times a year which I thought was a fantastic idea so I've been keeping an eye on it for a while now I know it's hard going and she runs so many classes and having to train these young kids up that she didn't know where where she's at for time it's, it's hard work it really is hard work 
Anyway, I was speaking to Jess in this coffee shop and she was on about charity work and stuff like that because she does it in a spare time. And I said, oh, I, want, I want to actually plow some bit of money into um, a charity or like an organisation to try and just put money back into the, uh, not just the economy, but into something that's doing something right for our local area. And she was reading a few of them off and I, I looked into them and stuff. And then, of course, I remembered um, BB Dance Magic and the girl who runs it called uh, Becky, Becky Anschkoll. Uh, she runs it all and I contacted her and I said, look, I'd love to finance you for the rest of the year. Um, however, want me to do it? It's, it's up to you. Um, bit of bouncing messages backwards and forwards because she couldn't believe I wanted to do it. She was just thinking it was a, I don't know, what does she think it were? Like a, like it wasn't going to happen. Like I was just kind of taking the mic and I was like, no, 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 seriously, I want to, I want to put some money into it. So I ended up sending her a good substantial amount of money across uh, to finance this um, dance thing that she's got going with the young kids. Um, to finance at least for the, the rest of the year and I also sponsored um, their next show um, so I've done that as well now I, I get nothing from this anyone listening to this you can think what you'd like but I get absolutely nothing it got to the point where I even said to her she went what do you want out of it I said nothing absolutely nothing I just want to do what's right and do my good deed for the year uh, and that means doing what I want to do with you guys um, but I really don't want anything back Um and she couldn't believe that. She thought I was pulling a leg, really. But I wasn't. So I sent the money across. And we've been in contact, of course, ever since. And um, it was a really good thing that I, I did, I think. I, I enjoyed it every second of it. And it's good to see these young kids, boys and girls, just smiling. Because she always puts the photos on the on her social medias and that of the kids and that when they're doing the competitions and stuff. And every kid's grinning from ear to ear. And just to be a part of that, even just a, a small percentage, just made my day. And uh, yeah, so I've actually sponsored this uh, this little dance class thing in in my local town, uh, our city. So we're in a city, or no, we're in a town, aren't we? Um, and so I did that, and I'm really happy that we did that. Um, it's for the podcast as well. I said that she's going to put the podcast um, on maybe the tickets that she does for the show or something. But if she does, I don't know. It's not, I'm early first, but I wanted to put it on this episode that I've actually done that and enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, this has been me talking for a good fifty minutes. If you have listened this far, thank you. I do really appreciate it. I have got a few questions sent in and I have got a few stories, but they're not going to be read out till next episode now because I'll be going way over my time if I do it on this one because I've been blabbing too much. But this has been Season 2, Episode 4, and you've been listening to Dave and you've been listening to Spiraling a Sense of Freedom and I do hope, I won't say Sunday this time, but next time I upload that you can all tune in again and listen to my droning voice. Bye! <laughs>